Hello and welcome to the Lancet Respiratory Medicine Podcast. My name is Aino Connor, and today I am very pleased to be joined by Tushan De Silva, a Wellcome Trust Intermediate Clinical Fellow and Infectious Diseases Physician. He's based between the MRC unit The Gambia at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine and the Flory Institute for Host Pathogen Interactions at the University of Sheffield. We're going to be talking about a study that was recently published in the Lancet Respiratory Medicine, which looks at the immunogenicity of a new live attenuated influenza vaccine formulation. Hello Tishan and thank you for joining me today. Hello. First of all, please could you give an overview of the epidemiology of influenza globally and also in the area where your study was done? Sure. So the first thing to say is that seasonal influenza infections are broadly caused by four circulating types of viruses. So two influenza A viruses, which currently is a pandemic H1N1 strain and an H3N2 strain, and by two lineages of influenza B. And this is important as the vaccines against influenza therefore need to protect us against all these types. So we use either trivalent or quadrivalent vaccines. And of relevance to our study, which I'll come on to, is that the pandemic H1N1 strain, which emerged in 2009, replaced the previously circulating seasonal H1N1 and became the main H1N1 virus causing seasonal infections. So in terms of the global burden of influenza, there's essentially worldwide circulation causing morbidity and mortality in most populations. And the recent 2017 Global Burden of Disease study estimated that annually influenza accounts for almost 55 million lower respiratory tract infections and 10 million hospitalizations due to more severe cases. And there are certain groups that are at higher risk of severe illness due to influenza, such as children under five years old, the elderly, pregnant women, immunocompromised individuals, and those with other chronic medical problems. And it's these groups that the WHO have highlighted as priority target groups for countries setting up seasonal influenza vaccine programs, along with healthcare workers. There's been a tendency to think of influenza largely as a problem of high-income countries in temperate zones, but in fact, emerging data suggests that the burden is even greater in many low- and middle-income countries. For example, recent studies have estimated that the rate of influenza-related hospitalization in children under five is approximately threefold higher in Africa than in Europe and that 99% of deaths in children under five due to influenza occur in low- and middle-income countries. And finally, a word about seasonality. So in countries such as the UK, USA, and Australia, most influenza infections occur during a peak single transmission period, coinciding with the winter months in the northern or southern hemispheres, respectively. And what is now clear is that this sort of single peak seasonality is not seen in many African countries, um, although it is in some. Many have two or more peaks, and others see actually year-round transmission. And in the Gambia, where we did the study, we do see most of the influenza infections during July to October, which coincides with the rainy season in the country. You and your colleagues conducted a trial looking at the use of two different live attenuated influenza A vaccine formulations in Gambian children. Please could you explain the rationale behind the study and what were the findings? Sure. So the vaccine used in our study was a trivalent live attenuated influenza vaccine produced by the Serum Institute of India and contained a pandemic H1N1 strain, an H3N2 strain and one influenza B strain. And this is a vaccine that achieved WHO pre-qualification status a few years ago and therefore the hope was that it would open up rollout of LARV to many low and middle income countries. And for those who are more familiar with the UK LARV program, it's important to point out that there are currently two LARVs used worldwide, one produced by Medimmune and used in countries such as the USA, UK and Finland, 
And then there's the one we use, which, as I said, is produced by the Serum Institute of India. But both are very similar in how they work and their composition. And as I'll come on to, both have had similar problems of late. So the, the broad rationale for conducting our study was to gain a deeper understanding of why some children mount an immune response to LARV and others do not, including focus on three different types of immune responses that LARV induces, so serum antibody, T-cell, and mucosal antibody, as well as looking at a number of other factors that might influence these responses. And a systematic review we recently did about influenza vaccine studies in Africa showed firstly that there are very few LARV studies that have been done and none that looked at the immunogenicity of LARV in African children. Furthermore, we noticed that while one study done in 2001-2002, which included children from South Africa, showed an LARV efficacy of 87%, a more recent study using the Serum Institute of India LARV done in Senegal in 2013, showed zero efficacy. So something had changed. And importantly, in the Senegal study, the predominant vaccine-matched virus circulating was the pandemic H1N1 strain. And at the same time, in the USA, while historical studies showed high efficacy of LAIV in children in recent years, and especially in years where pandemic H1N1 was circulating, the effectiveness of LAIV was very poor. So we and others had hypothesized that there was something about pandemic H1N1 and, and also the specific strain that's been used in vaccines since its emergence, which I'll call the A. California strain, might result in it performing poorly when used in a live attenuated vaccine, because essentially the inactivated vaccine effectiveness was unchanged. So as part of our study, we set out to look at the relationship between shedding of strains after LARV, a presumed surrogate marker of how well LARV replicates in the nose, and the downstream immune responses, and to compare the A. California pandemic H1N1 strain with the other strains in the vaccine. The hypothesis being that as a live vaccine, LARV strains need to replicate in the nose to elicit an immune response. But in addition to this, across the two years we ran the study, the pandemic H1N1 strain changed for the first time due to recommendations from the WHO. So we could compare the old A. California strain with the new one, which is an A. New York strain, and we saw dramatic differences. So summarizing our findings, firstly, we observed that the shedding of the A. California strain was extremely poor compared to H3N2 and influenza B in the same children. So much so that at day seven, no children were shedding A. California in contrast to the other strains. And this difference was also reflected in the serum antibody and the T-cell immune responses with limited immunogenicity of A. California. So at this point, we thought that this was the likely explanation for why pandemic H1N1 in LAIV has not shown good efficacy or effectiveness in recent years. Then we observed that the replacement of the A. California with the A. New York strain made a significant difference. Now, pandemic H1N1 shedding was much better and essentially equivalent to the H3N2 and influenza B strains. And this improved shedding of the A New York strain was also accompanied by improved serum antibody and T-cell immune responses. And going further via collaboration with Professor Wendell Barclay's group at Imperial, we were also able to recapitulate this in vitro, showing that the more recent A New York strain could replicate better than the A California strain in human nasal cell lines. So our conclusion was that over time, the pandemic H1N1 strains had evolved to better replicate in this niche. And the other important thing about the, this 
bit of work was this in vitro work provides a, a way to try and predict how well strains may replicate and therefore how good they will be as vaccine candidates in the future. And finally, we looked at shedding both at day two and day seven and showed that it's really the day seven shedding that is associated with better immunogenicity, not just day two. So an implication that if we could in the future design vaccine viruses to replicate better, we could potentially enhance immunogenicity. Some people have argued that reduced live attenuated influenza vaccine effectiveness in the USA is due to repeated vaccination in previous years. But you don't agree with that idea. Please, can you explain why? So I think we have to be a bit cautious as our population was influenza vaccine naive. Um, but there was a certain proportion of children that had immune responses to influenza prior to vaccination, presumably due to uh, natural infection. So one hypothesis uh, to explain the LAIV pandemic H1N1 problems recently in the USA has been that uh, previous immune responses and in the USA caused by repeated vaccination might have inhibited the A. California shedding and therefore immunogenicity. So we thought that if this were true, then we might make the observation that higher baseline antibody titers, uh, so pre-vaccination titers, would result in a lower likelihood of shedding after LAIV. In fact, we did see this for H3N2, flu B, and the new A New York pandemic H1N1 strain, but we did not see this for A California which to us suggested that this virus did not replicate regardless of what the immune responses were. And putting it together with our in vitro data, uh, that the problem seems to be with inherent replicative ability of A. California in nasal cells. But one clearly has to be cautious about extrapolating to U.S. populations where immune responses are generated by repeated vaccination. So it may not be generalizable, and there could well be additional factors that have contributed to the LAIV problems. But in our opinion, the replicative ability of the pandemic H1N1 strain is the most important and accounts for the majority of the problem. What are the broader clinical implications of the findings, and are there any research gaps that need to be filled? So I think the most significant implication here is that we would expect the clinical effectiveness of LAIV to be now much improved uh, against the pandemic H1N1. But this is also a gap that needs filling because we don't have any effectiveness data as yet. Importantly, so the UK recently saw a significant number of pandemic H1N1 infections in the 2018-19 season. And as the MedImmune LAIV has also changed its pandemic H1N1 strain to something similar, I hope that when the UK effectiveness data comes through, this will provide some reassurance. But also important is that we do more LAIV effectiveness and efficacy uh, studies in African countries from where there's very limited data. The related, another major implication of this really is that I think the Serum Institute of India LAIV should be considered a key option now to start reducing the burden of influenza in children living in low and middle income countries and should be taken into consideration when countries consider flu vaccination programs. And additionally, we now know why this problem occurred. So obviously, it gives us much greater ability to try and avoid it in the future. And again, I think both vaccine manufacturers are likely to have changed their selection process of vaccine strains to include replicative ability as a selective process alongside how well the strains match with what is circulating. And finally, in terms of further gaps from an immunological perspective, I think more data are required on why some children still respond and others do not because this isn't 100%, but importantly, why some children have responses in the blood but not the nose, vice versa, and why others have both. 
because if we could find out why some children have broader responses, so serum antibody, mucosal antibody, and T cells, then we could potentially tweak future LARV formulations to enhance their efficacy further. Thank you very much for joining me today, Tushan. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure.